Welcome to the Modern Law Library. I'm your host, Lee Rawls, and it is time for our 2023 year-end podcast where we like to uh, invite some guests on who work for the ABA Journal, and I love to talk to them about what they have read or watched or absorbed in pop culture during the year. This year, I'm so happy to have as my guests Amanda Robert, Julianne Hill, and Anna Stoli-Persky. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for appearing on this episode. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So Amanda and Julianne have appeared on previous episodes with us, uh, but Anna is our newest ABA Journal employee, and I'd love for my listeners to get to know you a little better. Anna, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everybody. Um, Anna Stoli-Persky here. I've been at the ABA Journal now for one month. And I'm really excited about it. I live in Fairfax, Virginia. I've been doing journalism for most of my life. I have a law background also, um, and I want to talk about books. I was about to say, when I uh, went around the office asking people to appear, you were like, listen, I have a list. Uh, (laughs) So let's start off with books and let's start off with you. What were some of the ones that you were most excited to come on and talk to the Modern Law Library listeners about? I have so many books that I want to talk about. Um, I read 51 this year. I do a Goodreads challenge uh, for the past couple of years, and I, my goal was 45 books. I reached 51, so I'm very proud of myself. I highly recommend it for people who love books. I did about 80% of my books on Audible versus uh, reading them, and I found that was very efficient. I'll go and highlight one book right now, and that's Tom Lake. That's by Ann Patchett, and I love this book because it's a very simple story about narrative. It starts with a woman who is living on a cherry farm with her husband and three daughters in the middle of COVID, and she retells a story about her youth to her daughters, and she tells some of the story and not all the story to her daughters, and it's sort of about how we tell stories and what we admit omit from our storytelling and what we want to portray. And I have a question for you about this book because I I read a sample of it and it really reminded me of, um, you know, the author Jane Smiley. She writes a lot about like Iowa. <laughs> she just has a particular voice and, and this Ann Patchett chapter reminded me of that. When it comes to the the style of writing, are there, are there similarities? Obviously, Ann Patchett has written many other books, but to other authors who you think listeners might know about? Well, that's a great question. I found her voice fairly unique. I would say, if anything, it reminded me of sort of folk storytelling almost um, Mm. because it was so windy in the telling of the stories. It went back into time. It brought it back out. There was almost a fairy tale-esque quality to it. So I, I thought it was pretty unique. Well, I would love to hear from uh, Amanda and Julie about their books, too. So, Julianne, let's go with you. Is there, was there a book that you, you were like, oh, I'm definitely talking about this one when I come on? Well, you and I already talked about this one. It's called <laughs> Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. It's nonfiction, which is my tendency toward all stories. She's a Native American Potawatomi professor of biology and just writes beautifully about how she is teaching her students at university and her children about nature through the lens of 
traditional science as well as through Native American traditions. And it's just a gorgeous book. I recommend it to anybody who just wants a dose of lovely. I love that. Amanda, how about you? Yeah, so the book I wanted to talk about, my sister actually got it for me for my birthday this year. I hadn't heard of it before. It's called Wayward by Amelia Hart. And she is a British-Australian author, I believe. It tells the story of three women across five centuries. Um, One woman who's fleeing an abusive partner in 2019. One woman trapped in her home during during World War II. And she's upset because she can't get the same education that her brother is getting. And then uh, way back in 1619, another woman who is awaiting trial for witchcraft. The women are all related. As the story goes along, you find out how. And it really is just this beautiful, powerful exploration of resilience, female resilience in particular, and then the natural world, because there are some fantasy, um, magical elements to it. Well, there were two books that I most wanted to talk about. And uh, my listeners actually get to hear from me usually in the summer. I'll do an episode where I share my picks. But these were a couple that I had not yet read at the time that I did my my summer picks. One is actually, now it's two books. It's a series by an author called Nita Prose, and it's a mystery series. The first book is called The Maid, and the second book, which just came out, is called The Mystery Guest. And the main character is a woman who very clearly from the style of her narration is not neurotypical. So, you know, I I don't know if if she has autism, but definitely her mind is not what you consider neurotypical. And, And you see as she interacts with other characters, they think that her the way that she is coming across, that there's something odd. And and you actually, in the second book, get to have a peek at her childhood where she really was suffering from not having um, her style of communication respected. But she is a she is a maid, a hotel maid at the Regency Grand, uh, which is this fancy hotel. And she takes this job so seriously. She loves to clean. She loves her uniform. She loves to make messes go away. Uh, and unfortunately for her, there are murders happening at the Regency Grand. And the, you know, the first murder, you see through her eyes because she is not evaluating the situation as you might expect. It's an unreliable narrator situation, and it's really fascinating. But she is, as you read, she's just very dear. And she has recently lost her grandmother, who you meet just through her anecdotes. And you see how this older woman had this granddaughter who she was raising and realizing that the world was not going to be kind to necessarily and how she tried to prepare her for that. And this is all woven through the mystery of, you know, who who did the murder. So The Maid and the, Myst- and the book The Mystery Guest, both by Nita Prose, loved that. And then I have to get this one in. Um, I don't know any of you really big fans of Jane Austen. I know that there's people who divide it. But if you're a big fan of Jane Austen or of Pride and Prejudice, I have to recommend this book to you. It's called The Scandalous Confessions of Lydia Bennett, Witch. And it's by uh, Melinda Taub, a brilliant writer who I went to high school with, full disclosure, it is a partially a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, but again, Lydia Bennett is a witch, and you follow her in her adventures and get an entirely different backstory 
and she takes it beyond the confines of what's happening in Pride and Prejudice, and it's written in the form of letters, which I always find an interesting way. I listen to the audiobook, so I just really like this book, The Scandalous Confessions of Lydia Bennett, which by Melinda Taub. So I, I feel like we could spend a little more time on books. Anna, if you had another one that uh, was in your hot little hands and, and you just need people to read it in 2024. Ooh, I have so many. Well, you brought up <laughs> you brought up mystery novels. So I'm going to say that I read the fourth in the Richard Osman, The Thursday Morning Cl- uh, Murder Club. Um, yeah, I've read those. The, those are good. Yeah, they're really good. And so I, I would highly recommend that for its... I know I hate the term cozy mysteries, but it is, but it's so much more complex too. So um, Richard Osman's books, I would suggest for anyone who likes a mystery novel or maybe even doesn't, but just wants something different. And the cool thing about that series of characters is they're in a senior living community. And so these, I think I would say that it's four main characters in this. Um, I mean, they're certainly repeating characters who are also important, but they have this richness of their lives and backstories that that they've lived. And so I agree with you. I think that's a tremendous one to pick up. Yeah, I agree with the richness of their lives and the the idea that when we look at people, we don't necessarily think about how complex they can be. And it's sort of a um, ode to the complexity of, of everyday people or seemingly everyday people. Well, let's take a quick break to hear from our advertisers. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems, like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Welcome back to the Modern Law Library. I'm your host, Lee Rawls, here with my guests to discuss our pop culture picks for 2023. Well, there are plenty of other kinds of culture that we use for entertainment and enjoyment. Uh, I'm going to take us to a discussion about movies. And one of the benefits of having Julianne here is she's always got great takes on documentaries. And I feel like documentaries don't always get the kind of advertising budgets that some of them, (laughs) the the fictional movies get. So this is a great opportunity to shed a little light on, on some movies you may not have heard of. Well, one that you may have heard of that got a lot of attention at the beginning of the year is called Fire of Love. It's about Katya and Maurice Kraft. 
They were two volcanologists who fell in love with each other and volcanoes. They documented their journeys to the edges of like terrifying volcano edges. Like, I don't even want to think about some of the places that they went, but um, they they had thousands of hours of footage and and still photography that they took. And it um, became found footage of a very smart director who crafted the story forgive the pun on their last name, uh, into a really amazing Oscar-nominated film. I think you can see it on television or through an app like Netflix or something right now. But I found it mind-blowing. It was a great relationship tale, great love story, as well as a great adventure story. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about volcanoes, but I really felt like I got to know these people as full, rich characters. So that would be probably my number one choice. Well, I love that. And I actually had not heard of it. So that's going on the list. Fire of Love. The movie that I picked out to mention today also has fire in the title, but it is a a true crime series that was put together by the Australian Broadcasting Company that's available on Netflix. And it's not an easy watch, but it's called Exposed the Ghost Train Fire. And it is about a fire that claimed the lives of, I believe, seven people in Sydney, Australia, at an amusement park called Luna Park. And this happened in the 70s, and it's people who are still alive, fortunately, to be interviewed about this. And over the course of the series, they develop an idea of who ordered the fire that was arson, and you uncover evidence of police corruption in Sydney I just found it pretty gripping, and that's what I wanted to to recommend. Uh, Amanda, what what movies have you seen and enjoyed in 2023? This is more of a series as well, documentary series, and a little bit on the lighter side. I don't know if any of you have seen this, but it is called The Reluctant Traveler with Eugene Levy, who I just love. And, and the whole premise is he does not love traveling, but they have him travel to all of these places around the world. And get his take on what it's like when he's there. And it's it's just really cute and funny and heartwarming. I saw an episode of it. It's very funny. Well, Eugene Levy has my heart from, uh, you know, the, mov- the movie Best in Show, but also uh, the TV series Shit's Creek, which is so right. t- tremendous. Yeah, love that. So I'll put that on too, The Reluctant Traveler. Anna, how about you? Was there a movie that uh, you particularly enjoyed this year or series. So I'll have to be honest here and say that I read a lot more than I go see movies. But um, with my teenage daughter, we are going through all the 1980s movies. So I have to give a thumbs up again for Back to the Future as being relatable to a 15-year-old girl. Well, I love that. And Anna and anyone who is in the Milwaukee area, Chicago, Milwaukee area in January... I believe the Milwaukee Orchestra is doing an orchestral performance of the Back to the Future movie. Oh, how fun. Yeah. I have a connection for another film that I saw, of course, another documentary related to Back to the Future. It's called Still, and it's about Michael J. Fox and a biography of him. He is in it, gave full access to his life now and his wife, shows the good and the bad and the ugly of living with Parkinson's disease as long as he has and kind of his heroic 
journey. And I would give it a thumbs up as a heartwarming, but not easy watch. I appreciate that. I um, have been following his story. My mother also had Parkinson's and I did try to to watch it and, and found it challenging, but he is an amazing person. Absolutely. Just a wonderful actor and human being by all, all accounts. I don't know that this is a great transition, but if we want to talk about TV shows, people who are kind of on the opposite spectrum of decent human beings, but I enjoy watching them on TV, I have been enjoying the series Gilded Age on HBO, in which a whole bunch of rich people and their servants in the 1890s, this is made by the same gentleman, Julian Fellows, who created Downton Abbey, and he wants to introduce people to the 1890s in New York City, where there were these titanic battles between old money and new money, but the stakes are things like whose opera will be more popular and how many hats can one woman wear in a single episode. The stakes are so low and the drama is so high. Anyone who enjoys costuming, watch The Gilded Age um, (laughs) is what I would say about that. I don't know that you're going to be getting a depth of knowledge about the social issues of the time, but it is captivating for how little uh, happens during it. I would say. But yeah. Amanda, uh, what have you been watching on TV? Yeah, just to follow up on what you just said, Lee, um, I have not watched the show, but I've seen the promos for it. I don't know if you have. It's called The Buccaneers. It's another (laughs) Apple show, Apple TV. So in this series, um, it's a group of American girls who burst onto the scene in the 1870s in London. I've heard good things about it, have not watched it, but there's a recommendation for maybe both of us. Well, that was basically the case for Winston Churchill's mother. She was a rich American heiress who came over to the UK to find a a titled husband. So I wonder if she makes an appearance in the show. Maybe, yeah. And my my sister is somebody who has watched it, and she's a big um, Bridgerton Gilded Age fan, and she said she actually likes parts of the Buccaneers better, so... Yeah, we'll see. But as far as what I've watched this year, I think my favorite show is Shrinking. And it has um, Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford and Jessica Williams in it. Uh, the premise is really a grieving therapist who decides to get really involved in his patients' lives. It's heavy. There's some parts that are heavy, but it's also hilarious, heartwarming. In the show, Jason Siegel has a teenage daughter. So I think because of that and maybe the casting also with Harrison Ford on the you know older end I think it's a show that a lot of different age people could get into I love that Julianne I saw you kind of nodding have you seen shrinking I've seen shrinking and I had it on my list I've got four shows here and definitely it is one of them um and I think Amanda summarized it perfectly it's funny and heartwarming and and a little heavy too and sometimes a little nerve-wracking because the hijinks that uh, particularly Jason Siegel's character gets into is like, oh my God, don't do that. <laughs> a, l- a little cringy. <laughs> I'm going to be a third vote here for Shrinking. I also saw it and loved it. And uh, I would highly, highly recommend anyone see it. I, Harrison Ford is tremendous in it. Well, I very much enjoy him. And Jason Siegel, I've enjoyed since How I Met Your Mother, the sitcom that he was in. So I'll put that on my list. 
And Julianne, you said you had some others. So what else was on your TV screen this year? Um, I have to say probably my favorite is Reservation Dogs. I'm a little late to the party. It came out last year. It's a coming-of-age story on a Native American reservation in Oklahoma. But unlike a lot of coming-of-age stories, no one comes off as stupid. Um, It's very respectful. These kids are smart. Um, It's very respectful to Native culture. I learned a lot. And the kids are dealing with love and loss and even a good friend, cousin who died by suicide. And it's all spoken about in really respectful, but interesting, solid, mature thoughts. We learn about how they continue their relationship with people in the spirit world. And each one of these episodes is beautiful. They could stand alone as a whole short film. If you don't have time to watch the whole thing, even watching one is is a good investment of time. And then, of course, being a good Chicagoan, I have to say the bear. I just have to. <laughs> I um, can't wait until season three. I didn't start it last year, so I jumped in at season, um, when season two came out, but I've actually watched it twice, which is something I never do ever, ever. Things go really fast the way they do in a kitchen at a restaurant. Um, it's a little stressful. I have to say the Christmas episode in season two is unbelievable. As someone who is Italian and has celebrated Christmas and the Feast of the Seven Fishes, I'm really glad that these people were not my family. (laughs) I would say, yeah, the Christmas episode, if you had a very chill upbringing with a family who could talk normally about issues, this may not be incredibly stressful, but I had to take breaks because it was a little too real. Yeah, definitely. And just to say that that my mom and dad weren't yellers, but a lot of a lot of the when the whole family gets together, uh, (laughs) things start coming out at the dinner table felt felt pretty real, pretty real. Absolutely. I'd I'd watch it again, uh, but, you know, make sure maybe you had an adult beverage in your hand. There you go. And honestly, it it made me be like, oh, I'm just so grateful that I'm not a drinker. (laughs) But I, I too, loved Reservation Dogs. Uh, It has now completed. It was a three-season run. We have a Killers of the Flower Moon tie-in because Lily Gladstone, who stars in that movie, also has a recurring guest appearance in seasons two and three, in which she is one of my favorite characters, even though she's only in two episodes. She gives such a powerful performance. So Reservation Dogs, I absolutely second. Did you have any uh, another one or am I miscounting? Oh, I did. I mean, I've got to say Ted Lasso. You know, <laughs> we all watched it. And I am glad it's done at three seasons. I didn't want it to spin off into some corny plot line on one individual. I hope it doesn't do that. So leave it be. Leave it be, folks. <laughs> That's Julianne's advice. Uh, Amanda, I know that you were a fellow Ted Lasso enjoyer. Um, was that one of the ones that you think in 2023 you enjoyed most? Yeah, totally. I feel like that, you, you know, it came up in whatever year that was, 2020, I guess. Um, Who can keep track? Right, yeah. And was just so lovely and such a great distraction at that time. And I'm really glad that they kept up with our expectations and agree with Julie that it's it's nice that it ended on a good note. 
Well, Anna, how about you? I know that, as you said, you know, when you have some free time, you're spending it listening to an audiobook. But were there any TV shows that you enjoyed? Well, I did watch Ted Lasso, and I'm in agreement with everybody else. I also watched uh, Only Murders in the Building. I came to it super late, but I thought it was very funny and engaging and obviously relevant to podcasting. Um, (laughs) And I was surprised because I've never been a Steve Martin fan, and I finally saw what people see in him because by the end of what I guess season three I was like okay you sold me (laughs) well and Martin Short is of course a delight and this third season of the show in 2023 Meryl Streep joined the cast and I I feel like everyone raised their game because Meryl was on set you you got to be good when Meryl is on set I totally agree. And I've been listening to her song that she sang, the nanny song over and over because it was exquisitely beautiful. And then, of course, the appearance by Matthew Broderick. Yes, that was very funny. So, yeah, Only Murders in the Building, uh, the third season. I, I, too, very much enjoyed that. The other one that I'm currently watching, which also has murder in the title, is Murder at the End of the World. But this as we are speaking today, which is December 4th, just for my listeners' edification, it's still ongoing. So far, I have liked it, but we're not done. So they may not stick the landing. I didn't feel like I could definitely recommend it, but I like what I've seen so far. I have had a longtime crush on Clive Owen, and he is playing an Elon Musk-style character, which is really threatening that crush. But he's an excellent (laughs) actor. (laughs) I just... Find Elon Musk repellent. Um, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our advertisers. When we return, I'll still be here with Amanda Robert, Julianne Hill, and Anna Stoli Persky. Welcome back to the episode. I also like to recommend other podcasts. And there's one that I kind of want to say right off the bat because it is another How I Met Your Mother tie in. And this is a podcast series that I think is only available on Audible which I don't love, but it's called Mistletoe Murders, and it stars Colby Smulders, who also played a character in the sitcom How I Met Your Mother. She has moved to a small town and is running a Christmas-themed gift store in this small town in Canada, and murders just keep happening. And she and the local police chief have a little frisson, and she is employing his teen daughter in her gift store. And every two episodes, they, you know, they start and then solve a murder. I am concerned about what it's doing to the murder rates in this area of Canada. But uh, Mistletoe Murders, there have been, there's a two series, and it's available on Audible. So um, Anna, I'll start with you. Any podcasts that you listen to and love and would like to recommend? I don't. I I have to admit that I spend my time that where I'm listening on books, so podcasts just haven't attracted my attention at this point. All right. Well, how about Amanda? Any podcasts that you have been enjoying in 2023? Yeah, so we've talked about this before. I always recommend Smartless. It is a podcast with Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. They're three actors, and they're interviewing celebrities and just other folks from all walks of life. I think their conversations this year, again, they interviewed Eugene Levy, so that's a delight. And then other folks I liked were um, Rachel Maddow and Greta Gerwig. Their discussions were really interesting. 
I would say on the more serious end, I was looking for some new podcasts to listen to and came across, it's called This Land. It's produced by Crooked Media, and it does have a legal tie-in. It's about the string of custody battles over Native children that then became the federal lawsuit that really threatened tribal sovereignty and civil rights. And um, as you know, that's the Holland v. Bracken case. Yeah, we covered this. It's the Indian Child Welfare Act. And and you've done some reporting uh, in this area. Yeah, and it was really informative. But the reporter did such a great job. So I've recommended it to a lot of family and friends who don't know anything about the Indian Child Welfare Act or really how uh, court cases work. And they found it fascinating, too. Julianne, how about you? Any podcasts you'd recommend? You know, I'm typically not a podcast listener, but someone had recommended Anderson Cooper's All There Is a while back in which he talks about grief, um, which is kind of this topic nobody talks about. Um, And he does it in such a loving and interesting way, interviews all sorts of celebrities, including there's one with Stephen Colbert, who I have a huge crush on, but that's (laughs) beside the point. Um, And, you know, Stephen talks about his own dealings with loss of pretty much his entire family other than his mother in in a crash when he was young. And again, I always say this, I learned a lot in a new nonfiction thing. It was a surprise. I didn't expect to listen to it. Uh, I did. Someone had recommended it to me. I downloaded it on my phone and I was on an airplane without Wi-Fi and it was one, something I could actually listen to. And then I was like, you know, this is pretty good. <laughs> so um, thumbs up if if that's what you need in your life right now. It's it's a, a very helpful and informative and kind, gentle podcast. There was another podcast that I wanted to recommend that is on the heavier side. It's produced by ProPublica, which is an organization that does some truly, it's a nonprofit newsroom, and it does some really great work. This one I have not been able to finish because it's so heavy, <laughs> but it's the kids of Rutherford County. And one of the reasons it's hard to listen to is that this is a situation that we did report on over the years as it as things were uncovered. Essentially, it was a kids for cash scandal in which children were sent to juvenile facilities for reasons of profit by a crooked judge. And it was allowed to continue to happen in Rutherford, Tennessee, was this particular instance. It's in four parts, and it talks about uh, the juvenile court system and how sometimes the, the privacy, which is very important for a juvenile court system, can also shroud what's, what's happening and make it harder to uncover when there's a case like this where, where a judge and group of people who are profiting off of this run amok. So anyway, <laughs> might be a little a little heavy, but I think it's it's such a worthwhile project that I I did want to mention it and bring it up. Just to round out our episode today, I thought I would ask each of you if there's any goal you have for 2024 when it comes to, you know, do you want to read more fiction? Are you looking to you know, get more into documentaries, although Julianne, that'd be difficult (laughs) to get more into it. Anything that you have as a pop culture goal in 2024? 
I'll start with you, Amanda. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this today as I was um, getting ready for the podcast. I read a lot this year, and I feel like I listen to more podcasts, but I didn't see a ton of movies. So I was just looking through lists of um, best movies in 2023 and was like, I didn't see that one, didn't see that one. So I'd like to make a more conscious effort to see movies, I think, in 2024. The only movie I saw in the theater this year was the Barbie movie. And I don't regret that in any way. <laughs> Great movie. <laughs> Recommended yeah, yeah. it at my summer one. But yes, we feel more comfortable being in cinema settings. That's that's one thing. I I settled in that seat and I'm like, this is a different experience than sitting on my couch for sure. Uh, Anna, how about you? Uh, as you set up your your Goodreads challenge for 2024, what are what are you going to attempt? Well, that is exactly what I was going to talk about, would be my Goodreads challenge. So it was 45 books last year, and I read 51 so, so far. And so by the end of the year, it'll probably be 52 or 53. Next year is going to be a different year, so I think I'm just going to up it to 50. Try to do a mix of fiction and nonfiction. I do haven't mentioned nonfiction, but I do read nonfiction, but almost exclusively memoir, and I'll probably keep that up. So yeah, 50 books. And Julianne, how about you? I want to go to the theater to see movies. I just, um, I miss it. I've gone to see Barbie. And like you guys, as soon as I got in that seat, it was like, oh yeah, this is the <laughs> way it's supposed to be done. I, I have felt for all these directors over the past several years where people are watching their crafted films on their freaking phone. And that <laughs> makes me nuts when it's supposed to be on a giant screen. And we, you're definitely missing all the nuances of the images and the sound and everything else when you're watching it on a little screen or even your TV screen at home. So that's a goal now that we're all feeling more comfortable. I have to remember to do it. You have to kind of remind yourself to go out and buy that ticket. And it's, it's a worthy investment. Again, yeah, I, I agree with that. I want to see more movies in the theater. But even though this wasn't a category we talked about, and that's because I had nothing to share, I, in 2024, want to go to the theater and watch a play. I want to see a live theater production of some sort. So that's that's a goal of mine in 2024. If you're in Chicago soon, you should see POTUS at the Steppenwolf, which was the funnest play I've seen in a while. Tell me a little bit about this. What's POTUS? It's a cast of seven women who run the president's life. His wife, his mistress, his press secretary, his chief of staff. I can't remember the other two of them. But it is fast and funny, and you can see shades of all the presidencies in recent memory exposed in a way that makes sense and it's clever and funny and fast and the cast is is brilliant. So if you get down here, Lee, uh, <laughs> stop by the Steppenwolf. Support your local artists. Well, thank you for the recommendation. Yes. Well, thank you to Amanda, Julianne, and Anna for joining us for this episode of the Modern Law Library podcast. And I want to thank you, my listeners, for making 2023 uh, such a great year for the podcast. I also would love to hear what you have been watching, reading, listening to. And you can always get in touch with me to suggest books that we cover or again just tell me what you're up to when it comes to pop culture the email address that will reach me is books at abajournal.com if you enjoyed this episode of the modern law library podcast please rate review and subscribe in your favorite podcast listening service 